Welcome to the TNT EdTech Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Nunes. I am so blessed and honored today to have Yuritsa Bijalba with us all the way from Bed-Stuy, which is in Brooklyn, New York. She's an amazing educator doing big things with Flipgrid, with Microsoft. She's an Apple teacher. She's a Wakelet community leader, and you can ask her anything and she seemingly knows the answer and i can't forget i think i mentioned flipgrid but specifically she's a flipgrid ambassador and she's the founding president of yv educational resources incorporated which you can follow at yveducationalresources.com please follow yuritza on twitter at inc underscore yv yuritza how's it going today Hey Scott, how are you? <laughs> I'm I'm pumped now. I was feeling tired, but I just took a big shot of espresso. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. As always, it's it's you know speaking to you is authentic. It's real, so I love it. You asked me to be here, now I'm here. No, I I love that. I'm so glad we we're able to come together on Twitter. A little bit about our backstory. We. We just met. I don't remember the exact moment or time or, or place or reason, but what really drew me to your work was your Flipgrid videos for your students for summer school. I, I was like, wow, she <laughs> she's peppy and she has all this energy and she has this real authenticness. You were so real with your students. You let them know, hey, you're going to hear the train, I think it was, or, or the bus, the like, bus. oh, you know, uh, this is how it is. And you welcome them into your personal space. And I thought, wow, th this person is real. I want to get to know this person. And you were gracious enough to come on Education Today with me. And then now the TNT Ed Tech podcast. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where are you from? Where do you work? Uh, whereabouts? And um, you know, what got you into education? So like Scott said, guys, I'm Yaritza Vijalba. I've been teaching for 11 years now. I teach social studies in the heart of Brooklyn, Bed-Stuy. Um, I teach for the New York City Department of Education. I teach overage and undercredited students, so students who range from ages 16 to 21. Um, U.S. history, AP U.S. history. So shout outs to all of the history teachers out there. I see y'all. I see y'all. Election time is coming up. <laughs> that was a huge <laughs> shout out. <laughs> um, um, I've always wanted to be a teacher, um, you know, from, from the time that I started learning, which is, I would say, at birth, right? Um, I would say that I was always given the opportunity to express myself whether that was through learning or when I didn't understand something. And so that's what I love about teaching. Um, I always tell people that teaches the students first. And if we keep that mindset, it's, it's the equivalent of a growth mindset. Um, you know, we're allowed to make mistakes just as much as students are allowed to make mistakes. Um, and we have to show that transparency and, and, and allow students to see when we're wrong, because then it encourage them to just be 100% real with us. So like I said, I'm excited to be here. Let's dig all the way into this today. <laughs> yeah, just I, I love that that realness, like to the lessons to the videos you're doing 
in your directions. It it's everywhere. It's you know on point all the time. How do you stay like rejuvenated and able to bring the energy and bring the love uh, that you have for your students and for your subject matter? into your classroom day after day after day, especially right now during the pandemic? So this is me, um, 100%. This is me. I'm, I'm loud. Um, I'm always energetic. I'm the person that when I get off the elevator in the morning, I'm yelling out my friend's name in the hallway. Um, and I do the same thing when I see students. Um, this is what allows people to be, you know, driven to me. It's, it's almost like, you know, she's definitely a people person. Only if they knew I'm really not a people person. <laughs> but I think that it's just because I'm just always, you know, happy. Um, it's always a good day, even when it's a bad day, because we're able to still learn something from that day. We're able to take it. We're able to share with it. Well, share it with other people. Um, so the energy is, is just real. It's authentic. Um I want students to experience education the way I never had. Um, my teachers weren't that exciting. I had teachers who would give me work and, you know, tell me to sit down and get this done and over with. Of course, I was always, you know, the child who teacher called home because, of course, I was talkative. And my mom never, you know, downplayed it. It was always like, yeah, I know she was talking in class. But that was also because I finished the work. Um, so I don't want to be that teacher where, Students come in, they sit down, and everything is just like, you know, the same day, day to day to day. I want students to feel excited. I want to create videos where they're shocked because I'm so hyped, and I'm playing music, and I'm dancing, and I'm saying, well, welcome, and, you know, this is Ms. V, and you might hear a bus outside. Or, like, just now, I don't know if you guys heard it, sirens. I live near um, a fire department in a hospital. And so this is the norm, um, but also for my students who don't live near fire departments or police departments or hospitals, that is their norms because of their neighborhoods. And so I always have to try to make that connection because I don't want students to feel as if they're not in a position to record videos or to share because of where they live. So it's, it's all just about, you know, transparency. I'm here. I know that you're there. I know your situation, but I also want you to know that you're not alone. Yeah, and can you speak a little bit to your transition from face-to-face to online learning, and where are you at right now? I can't remember if you're face-to-face hybrid or still remote teaching. So we're hybrid right now. Um, my transition from face-to-face learning to remote and then to hybrid, it wasn't that difficult. So as I mentioned, I have overage undercredited students, and um, you know, on numerous interviews, I've mentioned the fact that my students are usually working during school hours. You know, they're the ones that are, you know, stocking the shelves and they're the ones who are holding your doors and packing your bags, um, who are in Home Depot. And so the hours that we have to be in school from 8.50 to 3 or 8.50 to 2.15, my students are working. And so I always had to provide a different avenue or multiple entry for my students to be able to still receive instruction. Um, So a couple of years ago, I started a blended classroom where students would still be able to access everything that I did in a physical space just on Google Classroom. So transitioning from face-to-face learning to um, remote learning was actually the easy part because I was already used to putting everything on Google Classroom anyway. So it was just like, oh, okay, you're written now, just don't expect to really see anyone in a physical space. Um, And then I had to figure out, okay, 
now I'm not seeing my students as much. Um, so how am I going to make sure that I still amplify their voices and give them choice in what they're learning? And then that's when I just started, you know, using Flipgrid. And then I knew that I couldn't just use Flipgrid the way everyone else is using it. I couldn't just say, okay, well, you know, create this video and just say your name and that's it or how you're feeling or, you know, answer the question that I gave you for the do now. I had to do it in a way where it would draw my students' attention because remember, these are kids who have been in high school um, over four to five years. So some have taken the class four or five times in other schools. And so I was that sixth teacher, that sixth U.S. teacher. So I had to come up with ways where, yes, they're receiving instruction. Yes, they're receiving content. But now how do I give them the content but ask them to create a different product? Um, so it was almost like selling instruction to students in a way where it's fun. Yeah, and it totally is. Like, I, I love how you've melded together both the academic aspects, but also the cultural aspects and like culturally, culturally relevant aspects to them. I, I know when you were on Education Today, we talked about rappers and kind of pop culture and how you bring that in. What are mm -hmm. some other items that you bring in that make your material relatable to students? You had mentioned the election. What else? Um, superheroes. <laughs> nice. Nice. Superheroes. So are you a Marvel or DC? Marvel. Person? Yes. <laughs> yes. Sorry, DC folks out there. Marvel all the way. Marvel. Uh, um, so I created a, a, a project called The Humans Without Fear. Um, and students had to dig deep into history, figure out a historical figure, what the enduring issue was. So say, for instance, they chose Harriet Tubman and the enduring issue was human rights or human rights violations. Sorry. Um, mm -hmm. And then they had to think about superheroes and what powers would best help Harriet Tubman out in her situation. Um, so some people gave some students gave Harriet, you know, the power of invisibility. And then the idea was that if she had that power of invisibility, then she would be able to free a lot more slaves than she had. And so if that was possible, how would things be different today? Um, so a lot of the projects that I create um, ask students to not only go back into history, but to make that connection with what things would be different today. Um, on Monday was Indigenous Peoples Day. And so I created an activity called the History Rewrite. And you guys can find this on Flipgrid as much as, you know, as well as every other activity that I've created and I posted on Twitter. Um, and with this History Rewrite, I asked students to think about the um, Indigenous People's Day of Rage that happened in Portland. And um, they had to go back into history until 1492. And the same time they said that Christopher Columbus discovered America, students had to rewrite it and tell the actual story. And so if the truth had came out, what the day of rage had occurred on Sunday, will we still have where people are protesting several monuments had the truth about history come out? And um, what inspired that was Trump's proclamation of Columbus Day that he passed on October 9th. And so just playing with, um, you know, current events, things that will impact my students' lives, I have them now taking a deep look and through a critical lens and trying to figure out exactly what the connections are. 
No, I, I like that. I really love presenting things to students in that way, having them look at it with this uh, critical lens. And I love sharing with them all of the different lenses that they can put on to look at different historical items. Because being an ELA teacher, before I ever taught anything, especially if it was new or, um, you know, like not a modern work that they were already pretty familiar with, I would always get into the history and the background and the backstory and give them all the illusions like the Greek and Roman myths that things like the Hunger Games were based on Mm -hmm. Uh, loosely, of course, and then give a little bit of history and then do some parallels. But what I really liked doing, or one thing I really liked doing um, was talking about news and fake news and talking about analyzing with the critical lens these Mm -hmm. sources so we would look at sources from both sides of an argument and then they would discuss and share out their um their kind not beliefs but their uh their claim you know which side had it right and why and then using the evidence in there because being an ela teacher citing and using evidence when you're making a claim is huge at the Mm -hmm. level i taught at at the high school level so that was really fun. And then including graphics and things like that. Oh, it, it just made it so nice. And I feel like it's a really good 21 first century skill. And you also do a lot of that. Can you speak to that? In which ways are you preparing your students, not just for, you know, the content, but for these 21 first century skills that they're going to need in their workplace either now or later um so well first i want to say that i agree with you um having kids debate and take a side for me should happen in every single content area across disciplines and the reason for it is because if you could get a student to argue a point whether the answer is right or wrong you've done your job um you know, you asked me what skill I teach students because obviously I have overage students. And so the reality is when I speak to my students, I don't just say, what college are you going to? I say, what are you going to do after school? Because most of my students go into the workforce. And so while some teachers are trying to teach their students basic content, I'm more on I could teach you any content. You know, content to me is easy because all it is is recalling information. You'll be better off with me teaching you how to upload documents, with me teaching you how to write essays, with me um, teaching you how to take one perspective, analyze it, and create your own. Um, But also just students being able to, like you said, you know, identify what's facts from fiction because a lot of and this is our reality, a lot of what we're dealing with today is because of fiction. Um, You know, race issues, um, the inequities that exist, um, slavery back then and now mental slavery today, Um, folks going around, you know, um, stating that slavery doesn't exist, or you have, you know, legislatures um, in a Supreme Court stating that, you know, time of Jim Crow was like the good old days. this is this is the reality that our students are living in, and and they're going to have a lot of questions. Having Donald Trump as president right now, who's making a fool out of the system, um, that so many people 
hold dear to their hearts when you have it where this system has failed African-American and people of color for centuries. Um, so it's just me preparing my students for what many probably have not prepared them for, which is the reality of living in the United States. Um, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. And if you don't fully understand it, it's gonna swallow you up. I have a lot of black and brown young men in my classrooms. And so um, I have to prepare them for a system who's that's against them. This system is not rigged. Um, it's just been structured in a way where we can't come out on top. And so as a teacher, what I have to do is take that as a reality and show my students every single day that inequities exist. That way they're more prepared when it's hitting them or when they're you know, facing it face to face. Some teachers don't want to talk about race and I feel like they're doing kids a disservice. And so when we talk about skills, I would say fact from fiction um, and preparing students for what's going to be waiting for them when they walk out those doors, which is people like Donald Trump, people who dislike them because of their color of their skin. We're still dealing with those issues today. I know I just gave you like, you know, a whole mouthful. No, no, <laughs> I, I, I'm taking it in. I'm like, I, I'm really listening. Yeah, you know, there's a lot going on today. There is a lot to talk about um, regarding that for sure. One one thing, you know, that's semi-related to that, I, I think, to kind of help um, fight against inequities it, or potentially fighting against inequities, I guess. You know, it, it's not the end-all be-all for everybody, but I think having entrepreneurial skills and mm -hmm. the ability to hustle is yeah. a key skill. I don't know what you would call that per se. It's tenacity. It's social IQ. It, it's a blend. It's also knowing, you know, in terms of your mindset, like we're training everybody to be leaders, but the fact of the matter is not everybody can be at the top. Otherwise, like you wouldn't have this kind of structure. And I think it, it comes down to deciding uh, where, like with the selfie valve, where do I fit best? Am I more of like an entrepreneur, an intrapreneur? Like, you know, if I could still be a leader, but be the number five or six person, you know, right. in the ladder, I can be the support person. And the older I get, I think, you know what, I don't necessarily need to be, you know, the point person for everything. But you know what? I'm a good lead with some of these small projects or bringing things up more of like an influencer, if you will, like, hey, this is really good idea. And then I can spearhead a team, but I'm not ultimately like the decision maker, the guy who has the lens on 24 seven, every little mistake, victory is criticized every which way. Um, can you talk about your journey uh, with that with uh, YV resources and everything else you're doing and how you kind of model that for your students, because I think you do an amazing job with that. Oh, thank you. Um, I think, did we have this conversation before where um, I mentioned, you know, I founded YV Educational Resources because someone, I'm not going to say their name, I'm not going to give them, you know, that pleasure, you know, having people look them up on Twitter, um, didn't want my partnership. 
Um, so I had created some resources um, and I presented it to this company, a big company that a lot of teachers use. And um, the owner, she was really interested in it. And then a few weeks later, it was almost like, you know, she's not interested in par a partnership, but she still wanted the resources. And I felt like it wasn't fair because they were making a lot of money off of teachers by selling the resources. And it was more like, you know, you don't want to work with the teacher, but you want to charge teachers and, you know, get into our classrooms and tell us that we need certain things so that you could get paid more from our schools. Um, so when I found the YV Educational Resources, it was built upon the fact that, yes, someone didn't want my partnership. I'm, I'm happy, though, because it pushed me to create my own foundation. And, um, you know, based off of the ideals of, if you create it, then it's for everybody. Create mm -hmm. something that you know you can share. It's free of course. Everybody's invited. Um, and so when I found the Y of Educational Resources, it was more like, all right, you're right, so now what are you going to do? She said no. So how are you going to get it? Are you just going to stop creating resources? Or are you going to continue to create resources and make sure that you put it in a platform where everyone else can enjoy them as well? Um, and then once the pandemic hit, it was more like, okay, you can't do face-to-face -face workshops, so now what are you going to do? Um, and I remember um, going on Twitter, and I asked a question, and I said, you know, if I gave three workshops, one each month on Flipgrid, how many of you guys would come? And the feedback was just so dope that I, um, I called my best friend, and I said, all right, let's make it happen. Let's do these free workshops. Um, I'm going to do one, um, one in July, one in August, and one in September. They're all going to be free. And um, let me just give them some resources. Let me show them how to do this, um, whether if it's parent engagement, student engagement, um, social and emotional learning. I'm going to do it with Flipgrid. And let's, let's, you know, take it up a notch. Let's make it an interactive webinar where I'm having teachers actually do it. Because, you know, another thing, Scott, that I think um, a lot of organizations don't pick up on is it's easy to show somebody that you did something. It doesn't necessarily mean it's stuck with them. Once they walk out of your webinar, they probably forgot. 50 of the things that you mentioned because you didn't do like yes. a hands-on activity you didn't show them how to do it you just told about how successful it is because it worked with your students what i realized was every student is different but mine are even more different um because mine were the students that people thought could not learn and so when i create activities it's almost like i'm showing teachers who doubted my students hey you gave up on them now look what he's doing. He's creating a comic book and he uploaded this to Flipgrid and he's using iMovie, he's using Powtoon and he's using um, Storyboard That. He's using all of the things that you're struggling to use as an educator. The students who you gave up on are now using it. Um, so that was how I came up with YB um, Educational Resources. And then, as you said, you and I met on Twitter. I don't even remember how either, um, <laughs> but from there, my journey has been excellent. I'm, I'm meeting people from all over the world who are interested in learning, engaging students, and most importantly, culturally responsive teaching. Yeah. And you have a pinned tweet that uh, talks about that a little bit uh, right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so definitely check that out and follow the hashtag AskYuritza. Um so you can get those culturally responsive teaching questions answered. You can ask them. You can learn a little bit more. 
And I know so many people have commented on Twitter about how much they learned and how fun and exciting the events that you've put on are. So I encourage everybody to check out your work, see what you're doing, not just with Flipgrid, but in general. Flipgrid, I would say, just by looking, is your main jam, but you got a lot of other things going on right now, too. Um, what are some things you have going on in the future that people can look forward to? Oh, man, you're making me give up the secrets. Give us um, one. Give you us know one. what? Um, all, I, all I'll say is Pear Deck. That's the only, I'll okay. give you guys a sprinkle. Um, okay. Pear Deck, and what I'll say is, I'll see you guys November 14th. So as soon as you start seeing, you know, the promotion, you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, I I dig it. And I'm more of a Nearpod guy, to be honest. But mm-hmm. I started out as a Pear Deck guy. And honestly, they're, they're both good. They each have yeah. pros and cons. A lot of what you can do with one, you could do with the other. Um, ultimately, for me... And what I'm doing at, in my ed tech coach role, I like a lot of the pre-done lessons and a lot of the common sense media lessons yeah. that are ready to go to help teachers on Nearpod. But Pear Deck, you could do a lot. It integrates really well with Microsoft and Google products. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your favorite way to use Pear Deck? Oh, my God. I've used it so much. I use Pear Deck actually every day. Um, so especially if you guys follow me on Twitter, you'll see, cause I usually post up like whatever I did for my attendance. I use Pear Deck as an attendance check-in. Um, but like today I um, posted, you know, what's filling your cup, what's draining it. And I put like my bitmojis. And um, the set, then the second question was, how do you feel about the Lakers winning a championship? So I always try to tie in something that's a little bit, you know, throwing them off because Students sometimes see like slideshows and they're probably just like, oh my God, another one. So I try mm-hmm. to keep it short and sweet. Um, yesterday I asked them about their favorite book. Most kids, of course, if you have my students, are going to say, I don't have a favorite book. <laughs> but then I asked, you know, here's three quotes and I showed them three different quotes. Pick one and tell me how it's tied to your life. Um, so I always try to mix it up. Um, and I've also used Pear Deck as an integration with Flipgrid. So I've always, and I've been using Pear Deck for the past two months on almost every webinar that I've done. Um, Because like I mentioned, I like doing interactive webinars. I like to see teachers interacting with the same activities because then when you go home and you try the activities, I don't want you to use it the same way I used it. Um, I want you to recreate it for your own students. And so taking feedback from yourself and how that process is or was of you actually, you know, doing the activity during my webinar. Now you have some pointers on, well, I would have changed this and I probably wouldn't have asked this, but I would have probably asked something else. Um, So I try my best to use Pear Deck with that as well. That way folks can now go through the slides as if they were in my classroom. Oh, I, I love that. I think that's a great use. It keeps it fun interactive. I really like embedding edu protocols and different checks for understanding within there, within those types of multifaceted presentation tools. I love gamifying it too. Um, Michael Matera and Jonathan Spike uh, both have great resources on how to do that. If you're ever interested in gamifying what you're doing or 
just make it a little GBL or game-based learning experience, check out hashtag XPLAP for Explore Like a Pirate. And uh, there's tons of stuff on there. So definitely check that out as well. And another person to follow regarding that is Jamie uh, Halsey. And she's up in Northern California, just a little bit north of me. She does a lot. And she does a lot of STEM and STEAM work. And Mm -hmm. uh, one of our mutual friends, uh, Chanel, uh, she does a lot. And you can, Chanel Johnson, you can follow her at DC underscore STEM and then TASTIC. And she has a lot. And at some point, we got to get her on the podcast. I'm going to get her on um, next month sometime. So uh, stay tuned for that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's my, girl. yeah. That's my girl right there. for sure. Yeah. No, I, I love the energy. And I love what she's doing with with music. And she's been doing this thing. I haven't paid attention the last couple of weeks because we just had the baby. Uh, two weeks ago so I've kind of <laughs> dipped on all my social media and responsibilities I'm uh, kind of tired <laughs> not much energy left uh, <laughs> it, it's all about the family right now uh, but I love how inclusive she is and she does these custom Spotify playlists for everybody mm-hmm. based upon teacher recommendations and so it's great to see what everybody else posts and to see their explanation and to hear and see what it means to them. I, music is so powerful, so, yep. so powerful. Um, and I love how you bring that in your Flipgrids too. I mean, everything really does come back to Flipgrid because you can mm-hmm. do so much with it. For sure. I, I, and, and my students love it. Um, you know, like I tell people all the time, Flipgrid is not just about having your students create a video it shows you so much about the personality of your student, you know, because those, the camera features, students can hide themselves. And so what does that tell you about a student? Maybe they're shy. Um, Maybe they don't like to be front and center. And so it'll help you with how you're planning to teach that particular student. Um, We place too much emphasis on teaching students with disabilities and not acknowledging that even though you may have some kind of disability, you also have abilities. And so how Mm -hmm. do you play on a student's abilities? How do you plan for what they can do and not for what they can't do? Right, right. And and I think it's really important to give them some agency and give them some student choice and opportunity to share their voice so that they can choose what they're sharing out and how and when they share it out because you're going to end up getting a much better project. I I don't know if you do any project-based learning, but that's why I love project-based learning. Yeah. I start really small with choice boards and things mm-hmm. like that. And then I end up doing a big open-ended project like quarter three. Uh, I miss that so much because the results of that always propel me for the next year. It's like, okay, let me get to this unit this is when it really pays off and all comes together and then there's this big aha moment like okay I see it Mr. Noons this is why you had us do all this and it's like yes this is my masterpiece my gift to you you get to do whatever you want within reason with the tools I've given you 
as long as it's academic and tied to what we're doing. There's some guidelines, you know, we spend a couple days just going over constructing it. I give them some templates, some, some rules, some examples, whenever you're rolling out something new or big, uh, you got to have examples. Have you ever done PBL? If so, talk about that a little bit. Actually, Scott, all of my tasks are PBL tasks. <laughs> I, I'm just learning that. How did I not know this? Yeah. Um, it's honestly, it's all I use. Um, because like I said, like, you know, if we're building skill, then kids need practice. And so I feel like the best way to do it is by project-based learning tasks. So what I do is I create a Google Docs. Um, I upload it to the Google Classroom. And, you know, you have that feature where every student can have their own copy. And it's usually step-by-step instruction. So on day one, you have to do step one. Um, day two is usually a brain dump. Um, step three, whatever brain, uh, step three is, step four is probably write two to three paragraphs. And then step five will be the end result, which is typically um, for them to create a flip grid or some kind of presentation. Um, two weeks ago, I asked students to do um, a project where they had to share their screen and um, record themselves teaching a lesson. Um, and all of that is actually, now all of those skills that I taught them through the four projects is going to land them with next week's project. So next week, the kids have to create a game and it's a review game. And the kids get to choose whichever topic they want to focus on. We focused on seven different topics um, throughout this. So my students, so let, let me clarify everything. My students' mm-hmm. marking period is only 30 days. So we have a trimester system in our school. Um, okay. So students get credits after every 30 days. So I only had students for 30 days, which means whatever project they do, you know, where some teachers have kids for an entire year, every 30 days, I have a different group of students. So next week is their last week with me. Um, and they'll be, yeah, so they'll be creating a review game. They can choose whichever platform they want to use for it. Um, so they can choose if they want to do it on Flipgrid or if they want to just do a Google slideshow and share their screen on Google. Um, they can use a iMovie. They can use Storyboard That. They could use Adobe Spark. So they are the ones that are in charge. And they have to figure out how could they best not only teach whatever the topic is, but then create questions in a way where students are able to play a game. So those students who choose um, to do a Kahoot, they'll send me the questions and we'll work together to figure out exactly what the Kahoot would look like. And then on Friday, I'm going to actually release it to everyone and students who want to play can play. I'm going to call it a Friday game day. And that's it. They get their credit. (laughs) I love that. And there, there's something about that when you give students agency like that and they're invested and they're choosing how to contribute, you're not pigeonholing them. And then you have this natural feedback loop. Like, uh, I don't know if you do it consciously, but it's definitely in there where you're working with the students, you're supporting them all along the way. You're not just saying, here, create a lesson. You're helping them along the way and giving them some guidelines to follow when they need it. But they need to if they want to level up on their own and make it their own, you allow them, which is the key piece. You want them to get there. You want to encourage that kind of creativity and innovation. That's part of the four C's, right? That Mm -hmm. communication and creativity piece. And um, maybe even there's some collaboration, right? Maybe they're sharing what they're doing with, with their peers as well. And you can easily interweave that 
is well into there. Uh, It's so neat to hear you doing that. I don't know how I missed that somehow. And (laughs) um, one lesson I've learned this year, I've uh, got a foot in the door now in the alt ed game. Um, I became a lead this year Mm -hmm. on our virtual academy. So I'm you know, I'm definitely not the top person. I'm probably like the fifth or sixth person like I was talking about (laughs) earlier, but I'm one of the leads for our virtual academy. And it's a completely different ball game, you know, Mm -hmm. with with the units. And so I'm helping them problem solve digitally because we switch curriculums. We're using a different curriculum and they're all being bound to use our LMS, which is Schoology. So everything needs to be in Schoology trying to design things to make it as seamless for the students, for the teachers, for the parents, or for adults even. I was just working with an educator yesterday, and she's in charge of our adult ed. So some of the stuff you're saying, I'm going to take back to her and say, hey, I got this. Listen to this episode. You know, check out what Yuritz has got going on. And uh, the good thing about the PLN is we have such a robust and nice PLN to where everybody's helping everybody. Yeah. Uh, who are some people that we haven't mentioned, you know, like one to three that you would say the listeners need to go follow right now? So there's three people in particular that I speak to every single day on Twitter. Like we have a whole like DM group, um, Tanisha Shaw, she was actually in episode two of YB Educational. Sorry, YB Educational Resources. See, I'm already thinking about business. Um, <laughs> at Yaritza. Um, you can follow her at, at Tyro Shaw. Um, also, Amber Coleman-Mortley. She was on episode three this week, Monday. Um, you can follow her at, at Mom of All Capes. And um, Gabriel Valdez. You can follow him at Social Studies TX. Um, these are three folks that, um, you know, once I met them, we hit it off. We talk about policy. We talk about education. We talk about race. We talk about culture. And from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep, we're all DMing each other about, you know, hey, did you see this? And, oh, look at this. And look at what this person is doing. So I would say those are three people that if you don't follow them, you're going to definitely want to follow them. Yes, I agree. I need to go follow Gabriel. I'm not sure if I follow him yet, but Amber, oh man, I love what she puts out. Everybody has to go check out her pin tweet. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Mm-hmm. Follow her on Twitter. <laughs> I can't remember if you said it, but she's at mom of all capes. Check it out. Love the energy. I always love it and feel inspired whenever I see energy, creativity, just something new outside the box and unique. If you had to uh, give the audience one last piece of advice for how to teach during the pandemic, how to get through to students and motivate them, what would it be? Take your time. It's not about academics. So, um, you know, I know that districts are pushing teachers to focus on academics, but what I've mm-hmm. learned is um, if I get sick tomorrow, off a bit. If I get sick tomorrow, no one's going to care about the fact that, oh, she has another lesson to teach. So you have to think about that when you're walking into your classroom and you see your students who are dealing with so much at home. They're dealing with as much as you are dealing with or probably even more. Um, So what I would say is it's okay to take a step back from academics one day 
for two days. Um, the other day, I realized that my students were not answering questions as much as I thought they would. And mm -hmm. so I stopped and I put a halt to academics and I said, let's play musical tag. How about we do that? So, you know, everybody get on on Flipgrid. I'm going to post a song and then whoever gets it right is your go and your go. And I actually did that with the PLN as well <laughs> on Twitter. Um, and even after that, I, I did, um, you know, it's it's Friday. Hey, post whatever song that's going to get you ready for the weekend. Because honestly, everyone wants somebody in their corner that's just going to ask how you're doing. And as teachers, we're that second person, technically, because you would assume that the first person is, you know, their parents. Um, and for my students, I'm probably the first person since most of my students live alone. So it's very important for me that I keep making connections, especially during these uncertain times, because I don't know if, you know, they're going to shut schools down tomorrow. And then the first thing that I'm going to regret is I didn't ask that kid, how was he? Or I didn't ask that kid if, you know, he got to get into a different shelter. So you have to make connections as much as possible. So sometimes it's okay to say no to academics. It's okay to skip a unit. <laughs> it's okay if the kid didn't understand, you know, um, the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution to the United States. Heck, you have some people running for Supreme Court justice, I'm not going to say who, and don't even know, you know, the First Amendment. So it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I think it's really important to meet people where they are and to encourage them and be there for them like you are for your students. And I love that you're really aware of the population that you serve and you're just full heartedly doing what you can to meet their, their needs. You're constantly giving, giving, giving of yourself. And it's, it's just gonna like provide dividends for you and like in their own lives. Um, they're going to remember you and, that's huge. Like when I run into students, I've had, um, you know, they'll say hi, and they're pretty pleasant, even if things were a little tense. I'm always surprised by that. You know, there will be some that I maybe pushed, but pushed for the right reasons. Like, you know, hey, what are your goals in life? I think the end of the day, when they know you care, and that they know that you are about them and that you know that the standards don't matter or the content, the academics don't matter as much as they matter, then you're doing your job. Now, we are here for the academics. Don't don't ever get me right. wrong on that. Right. But how can you even get to that if things aren't right, you know, yep. mentally, emotionally, socially? You have to make sure those those basic needs are are really filled and fed and that can take a lot of time. Yeah. Um, but if you invest the time, the energy and you don't let up, you will have success. Will you get everybody? No, you know, that's mm -hmm. hard, especially if you have big populations I would imagine with you, with your program, um, only 30 instructional days, that's gotta be hard to yeah. really do all that you want with these students. But even then, you're able to make a difference and make an impact and give them the skills that they need to go on. Uh, I want to 
thank you as we close and you've given us so much to ponder and to think about and offering up your expertise. I want to make sure everybody's following you once again on Twitter. They can follow you at INC underscore YV and follow your work with uh, YV Educational Resources at www.yveducationalresources.com. Yuritza, thank you so much. I thank appreciate you, so you much, friend. Scott. Thank oh, you so much, Scott. Thank you so much, Scott.